everybody came back to the table, all my employees waiting to know like what's the day we're shutting the company down. And I said, change of plans, we're gonna fight the FDA. All because that woman reached out to me in an email at the moment in time when I needed to be reminded what my mission was in the first place. Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people. And frankly, it just wasn't for us, but this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails. And we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com slash cruise. That's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. I have got a great one, an intriguing one, coming your way today. I'm certainly intrigued because we have Cindy Eckert, and she is Cindy Pink CEO. That's where you can find her. And she is a billion-dollar deal-maker, self-made entrepreneur, and tireless force of nature, if you're asking Fortune Magazine. Now, before forming the Pink Ceiling, affectionately known as the Pinkubator, to fund and foster female-led disruption in healthcare, Cindy built two pharmaceutical companies from scratch. Notably, as founder and CEO of Sprout Pharmaceuticals, she created a category of sexual wellness for women by taking on the FDA and winning the approval of the first and only pill for women's libido. Addy, if you haven't heard about this, you're going to love it. After selling that company for $1 billion, she successfully fought to get the drug back and launch it on her own terms. And Cindy has made waves and created mission-driven companies that deliver big time. Her results have become a widely covered business success story featured in major media outlets. She is most proud of helping others take command. The profoundly positive impact those companies have made in people's lives and whatever keeps her coming back for more. Holy smokes, Cindy, welcome to Lead the Team. Wow, Ben. Thanks for having me. And for those of you who are just audio only, she's representing pink and I've got my <laughs> pink bow tie. Uh, the only one I've got, but maybe after this, it will not be the only one. And she, Cindy, so you were just telling me earlier, you wear pink all the time, right? To represent the brand. I do. It started honestly, because when I was going through this mission, people would say, oh, the little pink pill. And there was a bit of 
I don't know, all but patting me on the shoulder as I was going through it. And so it became a bit of a reverence, like I'm going to show up in pink. We're going to talk about the thing that is the most obvious that we're all minimizing and it's stuck. And I think to me, it's a lot about what is the definition of female leadership today? You know, can it have femininity to it, power? Um, pink, I think it was, you know, the old sort of catchphrase is pretty in pink. Uh, we watched that movie, even if you're a John Hughes fan. And so, right. And I think my uh, iteration of that today is power in pink. And we're seeing women really take that power. Whew. All right. So we're going to run with that. But before we get there, yeah, I understand that a stranger reaching out to you changed the course of your entire business. What oh, happened? it did. Yes. Okay. So as I was going through um, to get FDA approval of the first ever drug for women's libido, so there were 26 for men, not a single thing for women's sexual function, despite the fact that women have more struggles in the bedroom than men do set that aside for a second, I was met with a lot of roadblocks. I mean, it's an unbelievable story of really a tale of two sexes in medicine. Mm -hmm. And so I had been rejected by the FDA. That was sealing the fate of the company. It was over. I can remember it vividly. It was a Friday afternoon. It was the date that we were going to hear whether or not we were approved. And I'm going to tell you, Ben, the champagne was chilling in the office because we'd done the studies and we'd met the endpoint. So the science was all there. So we thought we were a slam dunk. And, you know, everybody's waiting in the office. I just flown back in town. I land and my assistant calls me and she said, you know what? We got a message from the FDA. They've turned us down. I sat down. I mean, what felt like hours of time passed just going through in my head all the people I'd let down, the women I was fighting for, the people who had invested in me, my team who was on this mission with me. And I sort of picked myself up. I went into the office. I got everybody around the table and they came to the table like this. Woohoo! Like, here's the moment. We're about to be approved. And I said, we got rejected. Go home and work on your resumes. And I waited while every last person left that office. I watched out my window. And as soon as they did, I broke down in tears, went home, took to the bed, and my phone was blowing up. Everybody knew that was the date. My investors were calling, my all of it, right? Mm. Um, everybody's looking for me. And I was avoiding it. I didn't have an answer yet. I thought I've got to, I've got to take these calls. So I took to the bed instead. I woke up the next morning, got in my email and I had an email from a stranger, a woman who had been in our clinical trials. I didn't know her. She didn't know me, but she'd had a lot of success on the product in the clinical trials and was watching very closely to this tiny little company sprout um, to see whether or not we got the approval because she was ready to run out and get her prescription. And she saw the news and said, I need to meet with you. Hmm. She was in DC. I'm based in Raleigh, North Carolina. I thought, you know what? A day in the car sounds pretty good right now. Just get in the car, go. I drove up there to a coffee shop and I'm going to tell you, I knew this was the woman the minute she hit the door. A door swung open. A woman walks in. She's type A. She's in charge. You can just see her. She's coming across the room toward me. I'm in pink. So she's recognized who I am. Um, she comes over to, to me, sits down, and she tells me the story of a beautiful life. She ran her own business. She'd raised two beautiful boys. She loved her husband, loved him. They'd been together forever, but they were really struggling with this issue really struggling with this issue. And she said to me, I have succeeded in every aspect of my life other than this. 
And it hit me like lightning. This is why I was finding there is a biological basis for women for why this can go wrong. And a million times she'd raised her hand and said, you know what, something's changed, something's different. Can you help me? And she'd been patted on the shoulder and she'd been told you're stressed, have a bubble bath, schedule a date night. And everybody ignored that something was happening for her neurochemically. So I popped up my um, MacBook. I started showing her all these brain scan studies, what we understand to be the biological root of this issue. And she broke down in tears. And then I started to cry too. And I thought, Dang it, this is why I did this in the first place. I drove back to Raleigh on Monday. Everybody came back to the table, all my employees waiting to know, like, what's the day we're shutting the company down? And I said, change of plans. We're going to fight the FDA. All because that woman reached out to me in an email at the moment in time when I needed to be reminded what my mission was in the first place. Mm. Wow. I got a chill here in that. And it just goes to show one that leaders need to provide the inspiration and be that person for their teams. But sometimes you got to be reminded yourself. True. You you were, I guess you were just open to making that card trip because you'd kind of hit the, the proverbial rock bottom in that moment emotionally. It, absolutely. You know, truth, you know, it, as a company in this space, the person who completely holds your fate is the FDA. You're trying to get a drug approved. Ultimately, it's their decision, right? They can say yes, they can say no uh, based on their analysis. We want to feel that they are the you know, most pristine scientific body, but they're human. And inside of that agency are great people, but there's also people with their own natural bias. And, you know, from a societal standpoint, when it comes to female sexuality, we've really struggled to have this conversation. And I think what we've done is we've taken an issue that's complex. Sex is, you know, we have a lot of factors that come with us into the bedroom, right? There's social factors, how we were raised, religion, psychological factors, how we feel in our own body, how we feel in our relationship. But the fact that forever, we've just ignored that women also bring biology into the bedroom, but we readily accept that for men as witnessed by the countless option, treatment options that were already in existence for them really just didn't hold for me. And yeah. I will tell you, it was important that she reminded me that we were fighting for her. That's who I was fighting for, right? It wasn't about a drug approval. It was my, it's about that woman being acknowledged in that moment of this thing that she was struggling with and being told she had options. So even leaders need a reminder. I always say like in your darkest days, take to your inbox and talk to your customers. Yeah. File away those when they come through like that, that are great reminders. So you can pull them up for a rainy day. Yeah. And whoever that stranger was, they went the extra mile to reach out to you. So if you've got a product or a service or a person in your life, who means something and has done something meaningful, you might be that person to save the company, right? To inspire people to go forward. And too many people don't take that step to write that note, to write that email and look at the positive domino effect. Now, I have to admit, um, very familiar. I mean, there's so much marketing around the blue pill. So much. (laughs) And uh, my assistant, Julie, that's off to her is like, then, um, Cindy Eckert, the pink pill. Like, is oh. what, what was really weird is I knew your name, but not the pink pill. <laughs> yeah, see? So congratulations yeah. on your, getting your message out. 
But yeah. I was not as not familiar with that. Yeah. Why in the world do you think you said you threw oh. 26 options available to men? One for women. And by the way, I'm assuming most of those 26 were already available when you started dealing with the <laughs> FDA and getting rejected. Like those are yes, already out there. More now. Totally. Yes. There's more for any for some form of sexual dysfunction for men, more than 26 today. Yes. So 26 started. So it may be a, a complex, maybe it's not too complex. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I actually want your audience to all participate in this. This would be so fun because this is the great mystery. How can it be that when a blue pill was approved for men, which was a watershed moment truly in men's health, actually, you know, Viagra has promoted a lot of understanding in men's health beyond obviously what it treats like cardiovascular issues, et cetera. So how could it be that when that was approved, it was the cover of Time magazine? Every talk show makes a joke about it. We couldn't watch a Super Bowl for the last 20 years without having a commercial about it. So we naturally were having to have that conversation. And yet a pink pill comes for women and it's radio silence. We did a survey last year. Less than 1% of women know this option exists. Now that's because their doctors aren't telling them. And the media isn't telling them. And that's really interesting. So, you know, we do conventional advertising. I try to get on Facebook. We get turned down a lot because we use the word sex, which we have to, because that's what we're talking about. But, you know, that has been its own struggle. Mm. But it's not that we're not out there, not marketing. So is this the great and last taboo? Maybe for us to talk about, which has been so fascinating to me. I built a company with one of the male drugs before. So my, this was my second rodeo as an entrepreneur. I built one of those companies. And so I really lived it and walked in it on both sides. And I can't say I have the answer. What I do love is, you know, that folks like you, Ben, have me on and hopefully your audience, I promise you, based on the prevalence of this issue, somebody who's listening today is struggling with this and they've never been told that actually it could just be neurochemical, uh, which we know from brain scans. So for men, it's a blood flow issue. For women, it's a brain flow issue. Um, so that's how Addy works. And um, it's the great mystery that nobody knows. All right. So you said you addressed the, the male Viagra start uh, yeah. component. I'm using yeah. the right vernacular. Yeah. What got you involved in that field? <laughs> and then what took you to the female yeah. side? Actually, I know I, I tease. My short answer for that is I'm Irish Catholic, which my mom always says, oh my gosh, please, please don't say that. You're naturally sex. No, you know, this the kind of the study, I'm a science geek. I love it, right? I love the things that really can change people's lives. And while sex is funny, you know, good jokes, um, I've got great jokes at cocktail parties. The truth is, it's really an important part of most of our human existence, right? None of us would be here were it not for sex. And I think it it is a lot of, you know, how you feel about yourself, how you show up in this world, your moxie, if you will. And so I loved the space. It's a relatively, in science, a relatively new space of study. And when you help people in issues they're struggling with in the bedroom, you see it transcend into the boardroom, right? You see this real shift in the, the person in terms of their own identity and power. 
And um, so I love that. And as I was in this space with one of the male products, I had a testosterone product, um, the only long acting testosterone. And, you know, I was watching this impact on men, but the science was emerging from brain scan studies that were showing for women who were struggling with, you know, like I never thought about sex anymore. They used to. And like something changed, something shifted for them. Um, and if you put them in MRIs, their brains were lighting up totally differently than women who weren't struggling. And to me, that's just science in black and white. And it's a fascinating, oh my gosh, we can address it. I mean, I'll be really simple. A lot of the audience, I'm sure we're all familiar with this conversation around antidepressants, right? So antidepressants now have been around for a long time. And we know that their number one side effect is that they kill your sex drive. So if it's true that a drug could kill your sex drive, then it makes sense that one could increase it. And that was really the, the premise. And, you know, Addie was the spectacular science that emerged out of it. So your scientist and you got in, you were working on this problem in the men's space. Yes. And then you I saw was. while you were doing this research, working with yeah. them, you saw the woman's side emerge. Totally. It was, it's newer science, yeah. but you know how fascinating. And when I was standing there running one of these companies, I'd founded it. I was running it for men. I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm one of 26. Men have lots of options, which I love. I love that men have lots of options. Women deserve lots of options too. And so that was my other kind of crazy moment, Ben. I took this company that, you know, was a classic startup. Like it was hard. Like we started, we were growing and then we like hit it and we were, we'd taken off. The company was very healthy, was doing really well. And I went to my board and I'm like, hey, guess what? We're going to sell it and we're going to do this for women. <laughs> they were like, no, no, this is, it's working. We're in such a good space. And I said, yeah, but I need to sell it, get some of that return capital and invest in order to be the one person who doesn't let this science just languish. Like we now know, we now have seen from brain scans, if not me, who, who's going to go and study this and take a product across the finish line. So that was, um, another moment of going from, you know, the top, if you will, back to the bottom uh, and starting Ooh. over, which has been the story of my career. That seems like a gamble. We're taking yes. a profitable product, yeah. or sure yeah. bet, and we're going to bet it on something different that you... Totally. So it was a, it was the, you kept the company as is, you sold the product, you redirected. I, I sold, I actually, it was called Slate and I sprouted out of Slate, uh, which is ah, why my... Okay. Is called Sprout, but Sprout, no, I, yeah. I sold off um, Slate okay. one day before. I took the I took the science into Slate. I sprouted it out, and I sold Slate one day later and went back to work um, because that's what I like to do. And uh, I'm laughing as you said that, like it was a big bet. I was in Vegas not that long ago with a group of friends, and we were you know walking through one of the casinos, and they said, "Oh, you want to hit the tables?" And I said, "I don't bet." And they said, "The hell you don't." <laughs> and I started. <laughs> And I thought, well, I've got quite a record. If it's on yeah. me, for sure, I do. I, I think there's no better bet that you can place than on something you feel so, uh, you know, deeply passionate about. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. 
Each week, more people listen to podcasts and have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So, your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. So can you list out the bar- the extra barriers that you had to face? Oh, yeah. For a women's product versus a men's <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> it's been a wild, um, a wild ride. Not only, I think, in a media double standard, for sure. That's important. But mm-hmm. in a scientific uh, What do you mean, double, a media double standard? I think, yeah. again, like, you know, when the blue pill's the cover of Time magazine, but this comes out and has a similar, I mean, actually, the prevalence of this issue is larger than ED. And, you know, it's just... So you can't like get it deafening silence. So you can't get it picked up. You can't secure the advertising space that you're, because you think you have a unique perspective, obviously, because you just did it. Totally. Inside. Yes. So so you were easy to get commercial advertising space next to impossible. Okay. Oh yeah. And even look the regulatory pathway. So, so not only now commercialized, is there a deafening silence that is curious, but, you know, from a regulatory pathway, When Viagra was approved 20 plus years ago, it was deemed to meet such an important unmet medical need that it was fast tracked. It was approved in six months. It took me six years and I had three times as many patients worth of data. So you tell me if that's not a a fundamentally different path. Regulatory Um, wall. Totally. uh, And media. What else you got? I mean, those are big. I mean, that's big. And actually, you know, we have a lot of discussion. Obviously, women's health feels really far behind. And, you know, people like speculate, well, why is that? We don't innovate for women. Well, when you sort of know behind the scenes that the regulatory path will be longer and the hurdles will be higher, you can see why companies don't have incentive in the same way um, mm-hmm. to go out. Never mind. Now I come to market and I'm still dealing with a subject matter that is much further behind. Are we getting better? For sure. For sure. Mm. I mean, I look back at headlines when we decided to dispute the FDA, the world was like, wait, who is this sprout? Who's this tiny little company um, in Raleigh, North Carolina? And, um, you know, the headlines were female Viagra. I thought that's jewelry. And you think, oh my gosh, that cannot be. I mean, I know they thought that was funny, But this is a medical condition. It's been a medical condition and characterized in like in the medical literature since the 70s. You know, we're in 2024 now and we still have like fodder. That's really it's here's the bummer. It's couples who are struggling with it. Right. It's couples who are struggling with it. Mm. I'll tell you similarly a stranger story, Ben. I was I presented at a meeting in DC. I was at the JW Marriott. There's a Starbucks at the JW Marriott. And after I presented, I was standing in line and a gentleman behind me like tapped me on the shoulder. And I said, Hey, he said, I think what you're doing is really cool. So I'm so flattered. Thank you so much. How do you know what I'm doing? And he said, I ran AV in the conference that you just spoke at. 
And I said, well, I'm, I'm so flattered. Thank you so much. And he like held my arm for just one more second. And he said, you know, I've just gotten divorced. And I said, I'm very sorry to hear that. And his eyes like teared up and he said, I think this was the issue, but I never considered mm. that it wasn't about me. And that's the truth, mm. right? In a Ooh. partnership, we feel very much like if we're wanted or not wanted, you know, it's about us. And he never considered, not through his own fault, not through his wife's fault, that actually something was going on for her biologically that something could have actually helped her with. And he'd never considered that because that's not what we'd been taught. That's not the narrative that's out there. And that's what's sad. Hmm. Okay, I have so many questions. That's a very powerful example. Mm. And um, the word that comes up is positive disruption. Yeah. Because all the barriers, so you listed out so many barriers, and it seems like, one, it would be easy to just smack, talk, just talk a bunch of smack about everybody. And the world sure. is against <laughs> this. And there's so many, there's so many barriers. Um, but you're cut and you're, but you're coming at it like this couple story. It yeah. brings us all in to the conversation, men and yeah. women. What's your advice for leveraging positive disruption? Yeah. Look, I think that is at the heart of it. The mission is about positive disruption, right? The, the, the goal is just a better conversation and more people helped with things that they often are struggling with in silence that is, you know, stigmatized um, and they're embarrassed to bring up. And when I remember that this isn't a story about, you know, it's not fair. The world isn't fair. But, <laughs> so, well, they, it would I mean, be, it would be understandably easy to go in that direction. And that's, yeah. where, that's where I think as soon as I hear the FDA story, yeah. as soon as I hear the 26 for men, one for women. It's very, it is, it does feel very unfair. Yeah. Uh, for women. Yeah. For humanity I, think from that it, standpoint. I can't, to your point, Ben, like I can't sit in that because it just will, it will paralyze me. I think the odds that you're up against it, so many entrepreneurs, your folks that are listening, right in corporate. And you know, that moment where you've hit the wall, like you're up against it. The odds are stacked against you. And yet you have a driving force to see it through. And my driving force to see it through is that one more patient, that one other couple we can help, that one other woman who doesn't feel like she's all alone or it's all in her head. And that is, you know, we thankfully, you know, circling back to that email out of the blue, like I'm so lucky that people share these stories with me, that I get emails from people about, you know, the difference it's made in their life or in their marriage. Or, you know, I had a woman who very funnily told me she was writing me the check for her uh, divorce lawyer because she no longer needed it. And I said, <laughs> no, no wow. you keep it and go on vacation and have a second honeymoon. But, you know, it's, um, it's really that, you know, that really keeps you going. And I think for this is applies to everybody in your business life, in your personal life. It's like, what is that driving force that mm. sees you through what feels like insurmountable odds? That's that's all. If I was going to ask advice for other le leaders against up ceilings and barriers in general. Um, Develop a sense of humor. 
<laughs> if I was giving really, mm-hmm. really, um, you know, really basic yeah. advice, that's true. Like I've, it's almost been comedy, the things that have happened. And, you know, so long as I can kind of laugh at it, I can find the way through it. And I don't sit in the overwhelm of it. So, you know, a bit of humor and a bit of just appreciation. And I would say that's a characteristic across my team, Mm. an attitude of gratitude. So we've had a lot of hard knocks. You know, we've had a lot of left hooks um, all of a sudden that we, we didn't see coming. And yet we've still marveled at the opportunity to do this. This is game changing. Right. It's a first and it's a first and only pill. You know, it's a category creator. When we came to market, there was no discussion of femtech. So femtech now is all of these, you know, technologies that are solving kind of female health issues in particular. And that's going to be a $50 billion category. Like all of a Mm. sudden, I think we gave people a billion reasons to believe where money started coming into the space. And now you see what could be real sea change in innovation. So uh, it's exciting. So keeping that, you know, again, marveling at the opportunity to do this. So what are some examples of femtech for those? Yeah. Those of Um, people out there that are familiar with it, myself included, obviously what you're doing, the pink pill is an example. That's an example. You know, there's a, a fabulous um, company they've, they've subsequently um, sold that gave women a fertility picture. So even at 25, they could buy it over the counter at Walmart. They'd have some bit of understanding kind of before they even went on a pregnancy journey. There's a flushable pregnancy test that I've invested in that is so exciting because I it gives that. not yeah. only discretion, but you know, it's environmentally sound. Um, there's a wonderful company uh, called Bobby that is a um, form infant formula company that has really done so much in this conversation around like, do you breastfeed or do you bottle feed? And and do we need to shame you either way? Like we get so absolute and judgmental in areas as it relates to women's health, where I think we would all be better off if we just understood all of our options. And, you know, they've really, they've got such a high quality product and a fantastic female founder and leader who is the only one in the entire baby formula category. There's only one company that has a female leader. And, you know, she's been so thoughtful in that conversation. All of those would fall in into femtech. I mean, it, there's many, many, many companies I should mention who are just so wonderful, but um, those are some that come quickly to mind. Well, a whole category that our listeners probably not familiar with and how big did you what's the estimate it's my investment tip (laughs) it's your investment tip for today yeah so um with that in mind what like you you said it's 50 billion is that what you Mm -hmm. that's what you estimate the market size to be for femtech yeah it's projected to to get there by 20 i got 2030 let's say um, and I think it's it's going like you see so much more money coming into the space. Um, you're seeing exits. This company, the fertility test, modern fertility um, that I mentioned, great female founder. She exited already. Um, she sold it to Roe, uh, $225 million exit. Like you start seeing the, you know, when you solve problems for 50% of the population, uh, it's not a niche market. And, and that. I say that and I laugh, but understand that is said in the investment room 
often to these founders or was historically. And I think we're seeing really positive shifts there. I mean, I got to ask, okay, how, where did you grow up and what, when did, when did you decide that you were out to change, <laughs> change the world <laughs> in this way? Because it's interesting, oh. a couple of things that come up. One is, where did you grow up? What, what were your early, what were yeah. you reading? And yeah. uh, I'm also curious about the jump from scientist yeah. to founder, CEO, entrepreneur. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a big jump too, but maybe start to take us back. Um, I'm from upstate New York, Rochester. I grew up in like a blue collar town, knew everybody's family, hardworking. You know, your your work ethic was king. And I, I'm really grateful for that. I had a very unusual childhood because in the fourth grade, my dad um, came home and he said, hey, Cindy, do you want to go to Fiji? And I'm just going to say there wasn't Fiji water or the kind of recognition there is now uh, back in those days. And I can remember spinning the globe in the family living room and seeing that Fiji was the other side of the world. And I said, yeah, I want to go there. And my dad said, great, because we're moving there in a couple of weeks. And my dad is a is a fantastic like adventurer. And I moved subsequently every year from the fourth grade through my senior year of high school to a different school. And that was, in hindsight, my training to be an entrepreneur because I had to go into uncomfortable situations on a routine basis and sit in that discomfort and make it work. And, you know, it was okay to sometimes be the outsider on the, you know, edge of the room observing. And I think what it cultivated in me is a lot of independent thought. My dad, I give a lot of credit to him. He definitely believes in an, an independent thinker, you know, deep conviction and courage. And, uh, and so for me, that was um, ultimately I got back to the U.S. I was in college and I also had a very fortunate experience to have a professor who saw in me this like weird love of businesses. I love what makes one business mm. exceptional versus another. And so, you know, I'm reading stories in the newspaper and everything else about companies. And I keep telling this business professor oh my gosh, did you see that they were doing this? Did you see that they were doing this? And, um, and she started giving me extra assignments, which, you know, was just extra homework, but um, I'm grateful for it now because she was like fanning that flame of interest. And when I got out of school, I was absolutely singular that I was going to go work for a Fortune's Most Admired Company. That was it. That was my only thing. I had to work for Fortune's Best at Meyer Company. And I think, you know, that could have been in aerospace, that could have been in banking. It happened to be pharmaceutical in the year that I graduated uh, from college. It was Merck. Merck and yeah. so that was it. I wanted to go work for Merck. I wanted to go learn from the best. And if I learned from the best, I could take it anywhere. And uh, I fell in love with the science at Merck. Uh, but I really did also figure out very quickly that I don't fit in big environments. And so from that, I chased innovation into companies that are changing people's lives. And that's where, that's how it all came together until I was brave enough to say, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it for myself. Um, I'm not going to just go into these smaller companies and help them. Um, I'm going to, you know, take a big gamble on myself. And it paid off. Literally. It did. Yeah. Let's <laughs> sweat and tears. <laughs> Depends on the day, but no, it, it certainly yeah. has paid off in like satisfaction of my soul, right? That, that in the end, certainly there, I've been fortunate that there has been financial success, 
But, you know, success is really about impact and to me. And so it's mostly been about like those things that are uh, real game changers. Well, all right. So thinking about where you are today. Yeah. And talking back to young Cindy back in the day. Yeah. What's the advice that you would give her or something maybe different that you would ask her to try? You know, I would say lose the perfectionism. It's only slowing you down. Ooh, go on that for a second. That is so, I think about this with my employees, how much time people can spend trying to make that one perfect decision right? Like they really, they're so, it's got to be so perfect. And you think, what if you'd made three and one of them wasn't so good? You'd still now be ahead, right? And that's really the idea of like, take the shot, go, go. It won't be perfect. It will have, you know, some warts on it. It won't be, you'll have to further develop it, but life is about, you know, iterating and moving forward and, you know, finding the way it's, it's really the hardest thing is that first moment of courage uh, to take the shot. So I would just do more, more quickly. That'd be my advice to her. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to pass that along to my daughter who gave me Uh, this bow tie, by the way. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love the pink. If you're just listening, yeah. he's rep, he's representing. I That's love it. That's right. That's right. You know, so starting to sort of wind this up here. And I've got a lot more questions, but let's uh let's start to start to wind it up here. I think you're uniquely positioned because I'm I'm thinking about that moment going back to the first story where you got the FDA rejection. Yeah. And you went up to DC and you got that burst of inspiration. Yeah. What, what do you do from leading the team perspective? Because when you get a rejection like that and you, it sounds like you'd already told your team, get your resumes ready before you left. What are you doing to keep your team together? Yeah. Right. Well, look in that moment, what I was doing was being completely honest. And I think that's important. You know, there's a big debate as the leader you know, what do you show and what do you not show? And yeah. at least yeah. from my roller coaster rides, my my takeaway is you just tell it. You just tell it straight. And that's why I said that in the room that day. I didn't have an answer. I didn't have a, some magic idea of how we were going to, you know, get around an FDA rejection. That was pretty much final. When I came in on Monday, having been inspired by the woman you know, I'd like to say fighting the government for women's pleasure is the road less traveled. So there wasn't exactly a roadmap for it. Um, I see the lobbyist group. Was, wasn't exactly um, the obvious path. But I can remember with my team also in just that honesty, we're going to fight the FDA. And literally, he's still with me today. My head of IT raised his hand and he said, can you do that? I said, we're about to find out. And the next day, he put a pair of pink boxing gloves on my desk. He left it there in the morning. They still sit on my desk today. And that's how you lead the team, right? You just tell the truth in the moment. And they're part of something. You make sure every step of the way, like all the stories that I'm fortunate to hear when I'm out speaking or anything else, I bring those back to the team. It's their work. They've built this company and their owners in it. 
They're all owners in it. And again, if I had one piece of advice for everybody, it is give the people around you skin in the game. Mm. In whatever way you can, make sure they are participating also in that success because every morning they make a decision on how early they're going to wake up and rip the sheets off for you. So inspire them. That's the job. That's the leadership job. And by the way, shout out to that IT leader because I noticed on your website, yeah. on the little tab on the top, it has a little yes. tiny pink boxing glove. I was talking <laughs> to my wife. I'm like, look, she's got a little pink glove on the top yes. of her. Yeah. I love it. And now they're a little crackled now. They're a little like they're a little worse for the wear. We put them on. When young women come into my office, we always take a picture together with them having it on. And like That's there's cool. just something about that, about, you know, finding that inner, it's not a fight for fight's sake, but it is about like standing up for the things that you really believe in and standing with conviction, even when others doubt, make fun of, um, you know, dismiss. I want to wrap it up, but I got to ask you about another comment that, <laughs> that you made that makes me just, I got to ask you, you said something related to usually the male sexual product or the female yeah. making them better in the boardroom. Yeah. Not the bedroom. Obviously yeah. the bedroom is part of that, but in the boardroom. Yeah. Yes. Where, where was that? Where was that train of thought going? Yeah. Where, where, I mean, look, it, it's, it's certainly not the claim of the product. So let me disclaim that right, <laughs> right now. Become um, a better CEO. Important. But, but in yeah. my, in my observation of folks, and I've spoken to thousands at this point, um, you know, who've struggled with this, there is a translation of how you feel empowered in your own body, right? For that, that really transcends. I mean, similarly in a relationship, I would say if it breaks down in the bedroom, it's going to break down at the breakfast table. It is. The communication is going to lessen. You know, you can kind of put a clock on a relationship when you've lost some of that intimacy, if it really matters. And I think mm -hmm. when you feel good about that piece of your life, connected in that way in your life, you feel that power. I, I Physicians talk to me about, you know, watching a woman come back in and this won't work for everybody. Let me say that. No, no thing is a panacea. It has benefits, it has risks. But like if somebody really has had a success and they walk in, you see it on them. You see mm -hmm. that sort of swagger, if you will, as they come in and that confidence in how they feel about themselves. So that's what I think translates for me. And I, I mean, I speak from personal um, experience with it. Like I, I can feel that difference in just my command of the room. That's a great place to end it, but also to continue it. Cause I'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking, <laughs> looking good. Where should they go to learn more? So for the product, go to addy.com. It's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Um, you can speak to a telehealth provider in your state. Um, you can talk to your doctor directly, but you have an option if you want that privacy from your own couch. Um, and I hope you'll follow me at Cindy Pink CEO and DM me with any questions. Or, or Ben, we got to have a follow-up. Maybe we have to have an Ask the Audience. <laughs> that would be fun. I, I think we would get a lot of listeners for that. That'd be fun. Let's uh, do this, it. This is going to take LinkedIn by storm. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I love it. Good. All right. Thanks again, Cindy. Thanks for having me. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? 
If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.